0: Episode 2, The 26 Malignant Gates Do not ride your bike around the corner, the mother had told the daughter when she was seven. Why not, protested the girl, because then I cannot see you and you will fall down and cry and I will not hear you. How do you know I will fall, whined the girl. It is in a book, The 26 Malignant Gates. All the bad things that can happen to you outside the protection of this house i don't believe you let me see the book it is written in chinese you cannot understand it that is why you must listen to me what are they then the girl demanded tell me the tell me the 26 bad things but the mother sat knitting in silence what are 26 shouted the girl the mother still did not answer her you can't tell me because you don't know. You don't know anything. The girl ran outside, jumped on her bike, and in a hurry to get away, she fell before she even reached the corner. Tan 87. Episode 2.1. The Rules of the Game. Waverly Jong. Waverly lived in San Francisco, China, with her mother, Lin Du Jong, and father, and two brothers. Her mother named her after the street they lived on, Waverly Place, for an important American documents. But her family called her Maymay, which means little sister. Around the time of Christmas, they went to the annual Christmas party in the First Baptist Church. Waverly's brother, Vincent, got a chess set. Her other brother, Winston, got a miniature submarine from World War II, and Waverly got a 12-pack of Lifesavers. When they got home, Waverly's mother told Vincent to throw the chessboard away because it was used. But he didn't listen, and he started to play with Winston. The boys played constantly. Waverly would beg to play. At first, Vincent refused, but when Waverly offered lifesavers for the missing chess pieces, he approved. Vincent then explained the rules to her and gave the rule book to her. She studied the rule book, the chess book from the library, and the chess pieces itself. She created tactics for the way she played. One spring afternoon while walking home from school, Waverly walks by the playground and saw an elderly man playing chess. Excitement grew. She ran home, grabbed Vince's chessboard and lifesavers, and ran back to the playground. She approaches one of the elderly men, Lao Po, who was watching a game, and asks him if he would like to play. He accepted her offer. Lapo was better than her brother's. She lost many games against him. At the same time, he taught Waverly new skills and made her into a better chess player. Each weekend, Waverly went back to the park to play against different opponents and successfully defeated them. Everyone would crowd just to see her, including her mother, who sat there proud of her daughter's winnings. She believed it was luck. One weekend, a man went up to Waverly's mother and told her that she should let Waverly play in the local tournament. She agreed. At Waverly's first tournament, Waverly sat there excited, and when they called her turn, her mother gave her a red jade tablet for good luck. As Waverly sat down, she managed to defeat everyone and win first place. She went to play more tournaments and won all. She became the national chess champion at the age of nine. She even got the front page of Life magazine. Every Saturday, as Waverly walked with her mother out of a market, her mother would go up to strangers saying who Waverly was. Then one day, Waverly got tired of it. Waverly Waverly told her mother that she'd wish she didn't tell everyone she was her daughter. Waverly found this embarrassing. Her mother asked her if she was embarrassed to be her daughter with anger. Then Waverly asked her why does she have to show her off? That if she wanted to show off so bad, why didn't she learn to play chess? Her mother stood there in silence. A moment later, Waverly pulled back from her mother's hands and ran down the street. She went into an alley and sat on a pail and thought really hard. Two hours later, she was home. Waverly stood by a dinner table, and all her mother said was, This girl doesn't concern us. This girl shouldn't have any concern for us. Episode 2.2, The Voice from the Wall Lena St. Clair lived in Chinatown, Oakland, with her parents, Yingyi St. Clair and her father. Her father didn't speak Mandarin, so her mother learned a little English to communicate. But her father would usually not understand her mother's Chinese, so he put words in her mouth as a joke. Lena and her mother spoke Chinese together. Lena's mother always warned her about the dangers of the outside world and that she should be careful. Her father comes home one day with a promotion. And with this promotion, they went to live in San Francisco in an Italian neighborhood. Lena's mother did not like the apartment and the people there scared her. She rearranged the apartment one day telling Lena it was because the things were imbalanced. When Lena came home from school the next day, the apartment was again rearranged and felt there was something suspicious happening. She asked her father, and he told Lena that her mother was acting like this because of her maternal instincts. Lena didn't believe him, but then a few days later, she did. She came home from school and saw that a crib replaced the spot of her bed. The imbalance and maternal instincts Lena's mother was facing was because of a future baby. That night, Lena heard an argument between a mother and a daughter from the Suchis family. Lena heard them argue all day and night. She engaged in their arguments and learned about them. She grew scared of them, so scared that Lena screamed when she saw the girl and felt guilty that she knew everything about her. One day, Lena's parents, friends, Auntie Sue and Uncle Canning, picked up Lena from school and took her to the hospital where her mother was. Once there, Lena sat next to her father across from her mother's hospital bed. Lena's mother, mother muttered things her father couldn't understand. Not having any words to put in her mouth this time, Lena w- went to her mother. Her mother told her that she gave birth to a baby. It had, a t- it had tiny legs, arms, and body, but a large head, and how the baby's head was open with no brain. Lena knew her mother was going crazy, but she couldn't translate this to her father. So all she told him was that they shouldn't they should think hard about having another baby and how the baby is happy on the other side. Lena's mother changed after the baby died. She would start cooking, then stop midway, or she would place her face in her hands at the dinner table. Her father also changed. He would try to make the situation better but failed. Lena felt agony and sadness with what was happening with her family the only thing that made her happy was the argument she heard from the shorty family having her know that there was a girl who was unhappier one night during dinner the doorbell rang lena went to go answer and it was teresa the girl lena would always hear arguing teresa made her way into their home and into lena's room and opened the window. Lena asked her what happened. Teresa tells her that she had an argument with her mother and got kicked out of the house and is planning to go back in through her fire escape. Then she left. Lena wondered how she could go back to that horrible life. But Lena soon realized that she was wrong. Teresa and her mother loved each other. She thought this as hope. She held on to this hope, and when she saw her mother murmuring to herself, she knew that this worst thing could end. Episode 2.3, Half and Half, Rose Sue Jordan Rose's mother and May Sue had faith in God and proved that with a leatherette Bible. But when she lost her faith, the Bible ended up under a table leg to make stable. It has stayed there for over 20 years. Rose watches her mother sleep under that unstable table with the Bible and waits for the right moment to tell her mother about the divorce between her and Ted. Rose knows that when she tells her mother this, her mother would try to persuade her to continue fighting for it, even if there was nothing to fight for. Rose met Ted at UC Berkeley during her second semester. He offered her $2 for last week's notes. She refused the money and accepted a cup of coffee instead. She found him attracted because he was a handsome Caucasian male from New York and not a Chinese one. One day, Ted and Vice rose to a family picnic where she had an intriguing conversation with Ted's mother. His mother told Rose that she had nothing against minorities. She and her husband accepted them, but Ted was doing a professional, a profession where he was going to be judged based on standard and there wouldn't be people as understanding as she was. She also told Rose that she thought the Vietnam War was unfortunate. Rose told, Ted, Rose told Ted's mother that she wasn't Vietnamese and had no intentions to marrying Ted. When Ted drove her home, Rose told him what his mother had said. Ted was upset at what his mother told Rose, but he didn't care for it. A year later, they were living together, and a month before Ted started medical school, they got married. Over the years, Ted was the one who made all the decisions, but the last year of the marriage, Ted's attitude changed towards being the decision maker. He started feeling this way after he lost his malpractice lawsuit to a woman he failed to complete his promise on making her beautiful again he started making rose decide on things and grew angry when she couldn't make up her mind ted later took a trip to los angeles and during this trip he called rose and told her he wanted a divorce as rose watches her mother sweep the floor she worries that she won't be able to trust her with this decision rose's mother always had faith in god but she lost her faith when she lost her son. She couldn't trust anyone. The day she lost her faith was when the whole family went to the beach. It was the nine of them, her two parents, two sisters, four brothers, and her walking to the clean side of the beach. Rose's mother put on a bed sheet and had the kids sit there. Rose was in charge of taking care of her brothers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Bing. Bing wandered alone because his brothers didn't want them there. Bing walks to his father, who is fishing. Before he gets there, his father catches something, and everyone starts shouting. Rose sees Bing walking at the edge of the reef faster each step until he falls in. Rose just stands there, not knowing what to do, whether to help him or not. The family stood there there for hours, looking with search boats and no luck. They went home, and the next day, Rose's mother gets up and went back to the beach, taking Rose and her Bible with her. Once they arrived where Bing had disappeared, her mother held her hand on the Bible, praying to God to bring Bing back. She waited and waited for Bing to return, but he never did. That's when she lost faith and gave up. Rose knows that Bing was never coming back, as she knows now that she won't get Ted back. But her mother still tells her to try, to not give up hope. Episode 2.4, Two Kinds, Jing Mei Wu Jing Mei's mother, Su Yan Wu, thought you could be whatever you wanted in America. Jing Mei's mother wanted Jing Mei to be something. Jing Mei's mother would look through magazines of kids who have done remarkable things and would test Jing Mei. But the outcomes was always was always a disappointment to her mother. This made Jingmei sad. With this, Jingmei realized that she didn't want to be something she's not. So, when her mother presented tests again, Jingmei showed a lack of interest towards them. Soon her mother gave up hope. Three months later, Jingmei's mother told her that she would be taking piano lessons with Mr. Chong. Mr. Chong was a retired piano teacher who became deaf. As Mr. Chong taught Jing Mei, his eyes didn't see the mistakes she did. He couldn't hear them either. So to him, what she played was good. It was mistake after mistake, and Jing Mei didn't bother to correct herself. Her mother bragged to Lin Jong, saying that Jing Mei did nothing but play piano all day. Jing Mei, at the moment, was determined to stop her mother's foolish pride and the lies she told. Mr. Chong and her p- mother planned a talent show at the church hall. Her mother invited everyone from the Joy Love Club to see Jing Mei. When Jing Mei turned, when Jing Mei's turn came, she started to play beautifully. She felt confident, but all that went away when she started hitting wrong notes. She continued hitting wrong notes until she finished. She got up shaking, and only one to cheer for her was Mr. Chong, who didn't hear her mistakes. When it was over, Jing Mei saw the disappointment in her mother's face. But this fiasco didn't seem to stop her mother from making her do piano lessons. Two days later, Jing Mei's mother told her to go to her piano lesson. Jing Mei told her she wasn't going to do it anymore. Her mother grew angry. She pulled Jing Mei to the piano. Jing Mei started crying and told her she was forcing her to be something she wasn't. That she wished she wasn't her daughter. Her mother said It's too late for that. Then Jing Mei said she wished she was dead, like them, and just like that, her mother let go of her and walked away. The years that came after Jing Mei's mother felt more disappointment point more disappointments from her. Jing Mei thought she couldn't be whatever she wanted, only herself.